Apana acknowledges the custodians and elders past and present of the land on which we work, practice, rehearse, perform and present across Australia. We pay respect to the cultural authority and traditions of the land. The First Peoples of this nation express their culture through music, dance and storytelling, and it is a privilege to continue that tradition of storytelling and performance in this country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the lands where we live, learn and work. Today is a better podcast. We speak with Dr Christy Seymour. Dr Christy Seymour is the founder and head trainer of Circus Stars on the Gold Coast. Circus Stars, at the time it was founded, was the first circus school for children and young people with autism. The Circus Stars program uh, is inspired by Dr. Reg Bolton's theory of the five key elements of why circus works for children. To have fun, to take safe risks, build trust and work as a team, to encourage individuality and to work hard on our skills. Circus is where the impossible becomes possible. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Christy Seymour from Circus Stars. Welcome to the APADA podcast, Dr. Christy Seymour. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Dr. Christy, so can you tell us, um, you are a, an aerialist, a trainer, uh, an artistic director, creative producer, choreographer, university lecturer, and founder of Circus Stars, um, yes. Circus Training for Kids with Autism. Tell us all about Circus Stars. Well, I started Circus Stars in 2013, in June 2013, and I started that uh, based out of my master's research that I had completed the year before or two years before. Um, So, yeah, I had been working in this space of youth circus for uh, over 10 years longer before that. Um, While I was performing professionally, I was working in the youth circus space at Flipside Circus in Brisbane as head trainer and artistic director there. And I started working with kids with special needs and different abilities and sort of really gelled with the autism community and autistic students, my method of teaching. So once I finished the research, there was always a plan to develop a a dedicated safe space for kids with autism to be as they are and enjoy circus in a way that could help them with whatever they needed. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in June that year, I applied for a small project grant through the city of Gold Coast and was successful. And that was the first pilot program. And so, yeah, we're seven and a half years, or well, nearly eight, actually, coming up at eight years in, in wow. June. Wow. So what, uh, yeah. what happens when a, a child and their family come to your school and start a program? What's, what does a first day and a class look like? Well, before they come... 
I get parents to fill out a really simple questionnaire and is different to what they would usually fill out. So a lot of the families that I'm working with have are really used to being um, dealt with in a clinical setting and talking about their children with labels and through a diagnosis lens um, rather than from their personality and the individuality of the students. So I get them to answer some questions about what, who their child is, what they like, they dislike, how they interact with other people, how they like to learn. And from there, I, I try best to put them with a group dynamic in one of the classes that will fit them best mm -hmm. based on the other personalities. Not always possible, yeah. but yeah, that's what we aim for. So I've sort of tried, it also gives me some background on the child. So I've got a little bit of information about who they are and what they're like before I meet them. Yeah. So I can be aware of how to communicate and make them feel comfy. So they come and, yeah, they come into the space. We have um, an amazing space that I hire from the city of Gold Coast, which is a community centre. And it's an old basketball hall that they turned into a community space. So half of it's office and the other half is just this big open space, yeah. which is perfect for the work that we do. And we have this very high beam, so we have rigging in the roof um, and we've got everything set up, but it's not too crowded. So there's minimal yeah. circus equipment, but enough for them to know what might happen, but nothing too overwhelming. And, and then we, we, we start the program and it runs for an hour. Uh, generally, our trainers and particularly our junior trainer, Jaron, is sort of their buddy for the day. Yeah. Um, but the other students are really uh, amazing in making new kids feel welcome and being really aware that they may feel apprehensive and and just yeah. kind of being with them. So, yeah, we just take it as it comes for their first lesson and I I invite them to participate in everything but we don't push them because they're still getting to know us and to trust who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, so how did you know that this was something that you wanted to do, that you, you found um, a resonance with working with kids with, of all abilities? Yeah. Well, I just saw through my work in circus, I was lucky enough to do a lot of work in the social circus space, so circus for social change. So I, I was privileged enough to do some great work with the local Indigenous community in Brisbane, with the Murray School and with some street kids, and we did an amazing program with kids through QPAST, which is for refugee children settling in Australia, so who've experienced a lot of trauma and, you know, they just need an outlet. So I started to, although I was still really interested in the artistic side of circus and the professional performance side, I started to really resonate with, oh, this art form really can take up space and change children's lives. So mm -hmm. I became passionate about that. And then when I started working with the children um, with different abilities, I just found a rhythm between myself and the autism students, like my method of teaching and their way of being just seemed to fit. And so it just started to make sense that that's something that I really wanted to pursue, but more so because I had parents saying to me, my child has never engaged in anything before. You know, we're always yeah. pulling them out of things or they're being kicked out of programs and they're not, you know, they're plateauing in their physical therapy with a clinician, you know, with an occupational therapist or whatnot. Yeah. And they may have a fantastic therapist, but it just may not be the right method. Yeah. So what is it about what you're doing? And, and, and that's what made me want to do research because I was like, well, I'm just doing my circus class. Yeah. You know, I'm doing circus the way I do it. So what is it about circus? 
circus, but also what is it about my approach to circus that works? And mm-hmm. I've just followed that and tried to foster that in other teachers that come to work for me and also other teachers in the circus sector or performing arts sector that want to learn how to create that safe space for autistic individuals to, to be able to engage with art. Yeah, because you've really had to back yourself. With, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, when you, I, I think I read that when you started and in your TED Talk too that you did, um, how you talk about, um, yes, you could see that there was an opportunity there and you mm. getting results and you were getting good feedback, like you just said. Yeah. But then you had clinicians and also some opposition or negative feedback from the autistic community as well. And so you had to back yourself with research and then you, so you took yourself to further your education. Yeah, that's right. Because I realised that because I've been operating in this art space and particularly circus where, you know, everything is, anything's possible. We do impossible things every day. So when someone comes to you with a, you know, like a wild brain idea, it's very rare that it gets shut down. You know, we go, oh, that seems difficult, but cool. So it wasn't, it was quite a shock for me to go to you know try to talk to peak bodies in the autism sector and try to talk to medical practitioners saying oh we're doing this thing and for them to just close the door and be like it's no that's not a thing Mm. um and we're not even going to we don't even want to hear about it yeah so I thought okay well I've always wanted to go and study again because I'm a bit of a nerd for literature and things so okay I will create the evidence then fine I'll do it myself yep yep and even then even then um you know it took nearly six years for one of the the peak bodies to really pay attention to what I was doing after I'd been doing it such a long time and even though I had private practitioners coming recommending children so I kind of gave up for a while trying to tap into those medical areas I just went straight to the parent community and went to more grassroots and thought well just do it And hopefully that, you know, more people will find out about it and then more kids will be able to access it. Obviously, if we could connect with those other higher levels, that would be great. But, you know, I don't want to waste energy on that when we could spend energy working with these kids and making great circus um, together. So that ripple effect kind of worked really well. And like I heard recently that one of my friends, her child was diagnosed and someone at the Gold Coast Hospital was saying, oh, okay, the, the paediatrician there said, you need to get into this program and there's a waiting list, but it's excellent. And, mm-hmm. and she said, oh, that's my friend's program. And oh. I thought, I don't, yeah, I don't know that doctor. I've never spoken to the Gold Coast Hospital. Yes. So, okay, we are penetrating those those glass ceilings. Yes. <laughs> but yes. Um, we're going around the other way, you know, rather than door knocking. I just try to let it word of mouth happen now bit, because it seems more, to work better a bit more circus way just grass yeah just do straps. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know if you build it they will come as they say to wayne's world it's yeah. just just do it and well, yeah and yeah, they take yeah. notice eventually you heard those words um i think i read that you call them circus swear words is no oh yes difficult, yeah no and i can't challenging impossible, impossible. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's almost like it's a cha- uh 
it is for me, I know as an artist and for a lot of other artists, uh, you know, if you look at Sideshow, for an example, where people say, oh, you, that's impossible, you can't swallow six swords. And a sword swallower will be like, well, that's my next project. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to do it and I'm going to break the Guinness you. World Record. Yeah. yeah so that, so that's it's, your ethos for living. Isn't yeah, it? it's in, ingrained <laughs> in us as artists to, to push the boundaries. And I think in artists in general, but in circus mm. is almost that um, rebellious side of, okay, challenge accepted yeah. I'm here to prove you wrong so you know and and there are still some occasions where I still do have to kind of broker for it and it's authenticity and that, and that it's actually a thing um but you know that that I think that just comes with that um stigma around circus as an art form of being somewhere in the in-between and fringe that yeah. it's not if it was theatre maybe people would think differently but yes you know yeah yeah. Well, hope you're you're becoming an expert in your field, and um, mm. now you'll just be the person that people come to for more information. Um, but yeah, that's the goal. How did you start circus yourself? Where did that all begin for you? Well, I started circus uh, when I was uh, nineteen. So I was studying theatre, um, creative writing, and physical theatre at uh, Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Yep. And in the last year of my major there, we had a physical theatre resident artist come and do more intensive workshops in acrobatics and I was addicted. Um, yep. And so I wanted to do more. And it was interesting because I was coming to the end of my degree thinking, what am I going to do with this? I don't really want to be an actor, but I do want to perform, but I'm not sure. And yep. so when that happened, it was like the light bulb moment. Um, and then I, I just found more training. So then I started doing holiday adult workshops with rock and roll circus which is now mm -hmm. circa yep and volcana and anything i could get my teeth into yep. to get the skills and then i found a trainer um who just moved here from south africa rodley stevens who's a, a master aerial trainer and i connected with him and started training pretty much full-time and through that i met an amazing circus community because lots of other aerialists were coming to train with him and you know, yeah. I met, you know, my future trapeze partner and other artists and just then I became part of the circus community that I didn't even really know existed in Brisbane. I knew it was there but yeah. I didn't realise how big and strong strong it yes. was. So, yeah, then I just need, never looked back basically. So you, it, there's sort of no real formal training for circus when you were coming up. You were just... Like, it wasn't. Uh, NICA, the National Institute of Circus Arts had was in its pioneer, like... Um, yeah, so they were doing like a, a pilot year project, but it was very small and no one really knew about it. So, um, and then when that went well, and then they, they got the relationship with Swinburne and money for building and all of that, there was the option to do that. But I just finished a degree and I didn't want to go to university for another few yeah. years so um so there's just in circus it's um you know much like other performing arts there's many pathways so we do have that professional tertiary pathway in Australia now and it's really well yeah. respected around the world yeah um but yeah there are you know I think majority of artists at least the last generation have trained with master trainers and experts in their in their disciplines so they've worked yeah. with an acrobatics trainer or a handstand trainer or so on and then sort of sort of piggybacked professional development to get their skill set and to become an artist rather than graduate with a qualification, so to speak. Yeah. It's a real bootstrap kind of world. And yeah, pretty much. That's what, that, that's what performing arts is, but especially with exactly. um, 
Well, who, well, who have you been? Who've been your mentors? You you said Rodley Stevens. Um, I know Reg. Oh, Rodley, yeah, Rodley was my trainer, not so much my mentor, but yeah, Dr. Reg Bolton. Reg Bolton was one of my main mentors as a youth circus practitioner and as an academic. So, yeah. Um, and he is like known as the godfather of youth circus internationally. Like I did it. Um, a research residency in Montreal in 2015 and I was at Cirque du Soleil headquarters and the National Circus School and they oh, over there, even, even over there, they were, oh, you work with Reg, oh, Reg, you know, and every, it resonates, his work resonates right through, right yeah. up to those upper levels. So I was really lucky uh, to have him kind of take me under his wing and and make really emphasize that you can do anything and anything's possible and also break the rules keep breaking mm-hmm. the rules um yeah. he's very rebellious reg but also very kind the other uh, mentor i had in in circus and performing arts was scott mavement um who's a creative mm-hmm. director of strut and fret production house so yeah. I, I first met scott when i was an, an artist and did some freelance work with the company and then he's when reg passed away Um, we were in the middle of a show at Flipside that Reg was directing and we were really stuck as to how to finish the show and honour his memory and and we ended up collaborating with Scott saying, you know what, Scott knew Reg and he gets it. And Mm -hmm. so Scott and I started working together in that that mode, which we hadn't before, and he mentored me as a creative director and producer and um in that field so and then he just he's still my mentor I still go to him and say should I do this or should I apply for that job what do you think yeah um yeah yeah. yeah. and then I've had another amazing mentor right through from my undergraduate degree to my doctorate in um associate professor Patricia Wise who's a Griffith University academic in the cultural studies area and has been the head of arts and whatnot she's been there a really long time and she is just amazing amazing generous person but also Mm -hmm. has done lots of community outreach work and is really passionate about valuing the arts and creating research that that really cements and provides evidence for that value of what the arts does not just on a community level but in terms of its cultural export and and how important it is to society so um yeah i've been really lucky to have really kind and generous mentors along the way yeah, because you did a, a manuscript. Uh, I read a manuscript that you did in 2017 with Patricia Wise. Um, yeah. And you mention um, chaos moss or chaos moses. Yeah, cha- chaos moses. So there's a, a two academics that are um, two uh, philosophers that are probably my favourite, and they're also probably the most confusing and um, uh, you know difficult to read. Um, yep. Deleuze and Guattari. They're French philosophers and one of the theories they uh, came up with which um, is like an adaptation of another philosopher's idea but is of chaos moses so it's like controlled chaos so um, where chaos and calm kind of meet in the middle and that you know art for art to occur it's a really essential part of an artistic process to have chaos Mm -hmm. and to find the rhythm in the chaos and for circus um, you know, when whether you're working in a social circus setting or you're creating a show, it, it is absolutely at the centre. What we do is chaotic. That's why people want to come and see it because they want 
it's they're wanting us to almost fail but get it right <laughs> they want yeah. to see the chaos they want to and see your nose come right to the floor as you're going yeah to help, you know exactly they want to <laughs> see you jump off the bar and only just catch it they want to yep. see you rotate rotate and just hit the floor so um so that really resonated when i that's just one of the many concepts they explore but yeah um for for circus and also for autistic children they're on this constant state of controlled Mm -hmm. chaos or chaos and calm coming together so it's like self-regulating and ordering themselves in order to either feel calm or to fit into whatever social setting they're placed in whether that's school or supermarket or wherever so um yeah, I found that sort of connection and explored it and thought more about that in my practice of how can we create a a space where children are allowed to be their chaotic selves within a safe, obviously a safe range. Um, So they don't have to apologise for that chaos and we can take it and create positives out of it. And then sometimes it's not positive and they're having a really hard time, but that they're allowed to have that hard time and have a meltdown and it's a safe place to do that. And that they can come out, hopefully, somewhere in the class, they can find the calm and the chaos subsides and they can, you know, connect with an apparatus of some sort to balance it out. Yeah. That's what I found really beautiful reading some of your work is that um, these kids who have autism and, and are struggling to have to be controlled, so controlled when they're out in the environment and out in the world, have this freedom then with you and Circus to just yeah. explore and make noise and be free for, yeah, exa- for about exactly. in time. Yeah, and for their parents as well because the yeah. parents are so highly strung because they're so used to apologising for their children and they do yeah. it to me when they first come. They, they do it automatically and I, I just stop them in their tracks and say, don't, please don't apologise. There's yeah. nothing to apologise for. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. And... If it's not your child this week, it's someone else's next week and so everybody gets it and it's okay. It's okay. I'm not expecting them to engage for a whole hour today. I can tell that they can't do that. They don't want to or they're not ready to or whatever's going on with them, that we meet them where they are, not where we expect them to be. And we Mm -hmm. have goals for where we, we hope to get them to, but there's no timeline on that. It's all individual. They're all different. And, yeah. and that is a really important essence of what we do at Circus Stars is making sure that children know that that we will meet them where they are. You know, they are yeah. often highly anxious individuals that are used to being pushed pushed to the limit in their yeah. therapies. So for me it's really important that I, I don't force them to do anything that they're not ready to do and that we back off and give them space, you know, or find if they're wanting to run around and spin in circles that I give them a hula hoop activity that enables that yeah so as long as we can keep them and the other students safe it's fine yeah um yeah uh you talk in in that same i'll just because i read it just this morning it's all in my head but yeah okay no worries um when you talked about reg bolton in that uh research with pat wise um you mentioned that young people also it's not it's like circus is all about childhood as well and um, that's why it resonates yeah. so much with kids and especially with so many schools opening um, like these days. There's so many schools and workshops around for kids to be involved in. 
you mentioned that young people are looking to the circus to live out the elements of childhood from which society has protected them. And that, that it's yes. exactly what you were just saying there with not only all yeah. autistic kids, but kids, um, all abilities. It's, yeah. And just kids. And especially since becoming a parent myself, it's like, I'm really glad that I've had that thinking so that I can allow my daughter to just be a toddler and climb stuff. (laughs) She needs to do it. It's intrinsic. And I have a sensory seeking, like really physical child. My partner's a martial artist and an acrobat as well. So it's in her DNA. She just, she just wants to move. So rather than tell her, no, get down, get down. I'm teaching her how to get down safely, what she can climb, what she can't climb. So You know, it's that children need to be physical or they need to be allowed to be physical in their own way if they're not naturally physically inclined yeah. rather than expecting them to be great at something if they're not naturally good at it and so on. Um, and, you know, that they don't need to apologise for their childlikeness, you know, yeah. their inquisitiveness and their learning to be humans. And I think it's really something that we can learn as adults from children is that they are authentic little beings because they're just they're just exploring the world so rather than trying to put all these boundaries around them like as long as they're safe and respectful to other people I think we can just let them be who they are you you should start a mum's class where you um just take (laughs) things through like like basics basic training um, and just how to relax yeah. and so, your kids. Yeah, how to relax and how to stop your toddler breaking your house <laughs> and hurting themselves. You can't yeah. say that she doesn't hurt herself. She does. But, but yeah, it, it, um, it is just a different mindset, I guess, coming from that space of working with kids and trying to do that. And having said that, you know, not every circus trainer has that way of doing things. I've got yeah. amazing connections and networks of great trainers but most of them aren't suitable for circus stars because they don't have the same approach to they're either very technical you know so they might make great acrobats but not necessarily be able to be flexible in their approach to teaching so yeah you know it's um it's definitely um a unique way of approaching circus training um, but but circus in itself does approach childhood in that way. Circus youth circus in Australia, uh, in any way, has that you know become as you are approach, mm-hmm. which I think is really um, really special. And the and the acceptance of risk, whereas um, we're so much helping yes. parents these days oh, a lot about totally. risk and um, yeah. acceptable risk and safe risk and yeah being able to take that in your space, which is something yeah, exactly. that a lot of kids can do. No, and Reg once said that a child who has a healthy rolling relationship with the ground will become a resilient adult. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love it. Yeah, and, you know, I remember him saying to me once, um, we had this child in uh, in the performance stream at Flipside and he was an amazing, quirky little contortionist and he had um, really, really um, high ADHD. So he was just a little buzzer and... um, and no impulse control at, at all. And he was only 11. And so he would buzz around and, and pretty much like a kitten, just get into everything he shouldn't do. And we were making this show and he kept turning the lights on and off and climbing up the rig and basically doing everything to give us a heart attack for the three-hour rehearsal. Yeah. And I was only about 25, I think, 24. And I thought, oh, I don't know what to do with this kid. In my head I'm thinking, I don't think he's cut out for the performance troupe. And then Reg just turned yeah. to me and said, 
he's a work in progress, that kid, isn't he? We just need to think <laughs> about how we can harness that. Yeah. And it just completely made me think, it made me change how I thought about kids like that. Like, yeah, he is, exactly. I had an expectation of what I thought he should be doing, but mm. he wasn't ready to do that. And it didn't mean that he couldn't be a part of it. It meant that we had to, to look at what's his potential and, yeah. you know, how do we keep him safe because <laughs> he was yeah. pretty chaotic. But um, how do we harness him because he's a, mm. he's quite a magical kid and he ended up being like the star of the show. He was amazing on stage. He was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, so that was going to lead into what I could hear from you talking about this kid and 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 Reg saying, um, you know, he's he's a work in progress. Is that what you mm. do in your professional development with teachers? Is changing their mindset and their expectations of what they absolutely yeah child to be doing? Is, yeah, adjusting. One of the biggest things that I push at Circus Stars and with my trainers and with the professional development program of teaching that Circus Stars method is that you need to relax your expectations about what you're expecting a class to be or outcomes to be for the child. Yeah. Because like I said before, they're all different. And that's why I ask those questions. How do they prefer to learn? Because we might have a class full of visual learners or we might have one visual, one tactile, one needs repetition, the other one needs more verbal instruction. So as a teacher, trying to deliver all of that in one class is really challenging and time-consuming. Yep. So maybe you're doing it smaller steps and breaking things down more and you might be repeating things more and it might feel like you're not progressing the class the way you hoped to. But what you're actually doing is providing a more detailed and flexible learning environment for your students as a result. So even though the progress might be slower, they're getting there the way they need to. Yep. So I, I really try to, to push that on all aspects in terms of behaviour, socialisation and then the technical skill training that you just need to, like I said, meet them where they are and think about how, how can I adapt my practice? I was planning on teaching this skill this way. Mm-hmm. What I need to come up with five ways to teach it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's hard, but that's what you need to do with this demographic because that one child might need five different ways to learn it in a term. You know, they yeah. may need a different approach. So we have to be really ready to roll with that and adapt. Yeah, we just spoke with um, someone else who said to us, um, if a child can't learn from the way you teach, you need to teach the way the child learns. Absolutely. Yeah, I really, I really strongly believe in that. And even as a, as a university lecturer, I do the same thing um, in teaching whatever I'm teaching, whether I'm teaching philosophy or academic writing, you know, something that's mundane, um, that I, if they're not getting it, uh, it, it's not, it's usually not because they're not smart. It's because I'm not explaining it in a way that they can understand it. Yeah. So what can I do differently, you know? And you often, you know, when they're a bit older, you can. it's important to ask the child, do you need to see that again? Would you mm-hmm. like me to tell you again? What do you need? And yeah. that communication, that respectful um, communication and offer to those students brings them to your level. So there's a, you know, a nice exchange going rather than this is how we're learning it today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you're not just teaching circus and circus stars, you're actually lecturing in philosophy? Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you, like, academic subjects as well? 
Yeah, I teach at, at Griffith University and Griffith College, which is Griffith College is the international school yeah. as part of Griffith. And I've been teaching cultural studies and philosophy and also academic writing and like yeah. academic research skills, um, predominantly to like first years and diploma students that are in that pathway area, but also yeah. with the philosophy, first year art students and so on. Um, so with the philosophy is like critical thinking and art history and um, gender studies and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then your academic writing, research, referencing, all those, you know, boring the things but that you love. That <laughs> yeah, that it's like part of uni study. You've just got to know it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do that part-time. I was doing that full-time, but then I had Ellie so so I can be home with her more. I'm just um, doing a couple of days a week. Yeah. So... Uh, Dr. Christy Seymour, what are your big dreams for Circus and Circus Stars? My big dreams for Circus is that, uh, and particularly Circus in, in Australia, is that it's more recognised by its own country, <laughs> that yeah. we are, I completed my PhD in 2018 about Circus as an art form in Australia, contemporary Circus, and yeah. we're world leaders in a lot of the, that contemporary strand of the art form and yeah. and in, in um, classical and traditional circus as well. So, you know, but most people don't realise that. A lot yeah. of our companies spend time touring, not, not this last year because of the pandemic, but before yeah. that predominantly overseas. And yeah. because of that, they have been, um, you know, they've been headlining festivals and they've been influencing other companies to create work and to yes. create these styles and genres that we've kind of fostered here in Australia. So I would like that to happen. And through that, I think we'll become more respect for circus as an art form in general, so that with the work that I'm doing and that other circus companies are doing with youth at risk um, is more valued and therefore yeah. more uh, accessible because it's not just about having a recognition of what we do. I don't even really care about that. It's more about access yeah. So if we have the recognition, then we get the pathways into schools, there's more funding, therefore parents don't have to pay so much for it and there's mm -hmm. more access so kids can get that, what they need, because it's yeah. valued. Um, yeah. For Circus Stars, I'm continuing to grow it because I do other things. I'm doing it at a, quite a steady pace. I, yeah. have a, um, I have a trainee trainer program that I've been running the past couple of years and my original student um Jaron who mm -hmm. I talked about in my TED talk yeah he's gone from being like a, a trainee trainer to an assistant junior trainer to now a fully fledged junior trainer so he yep. works on the program with us and that's something he always wanted to do he told me when he was 11 I'm going to work here yeah <laughs> <And laughs> you should because for me it's really important to have autistic mentors for yeah. the children and so they see um they have someone to look up to that's part of their community but also it's a pathway for them if they want it so yeah. as the students become older do they want to be involved in teaching how can i provide a platform for that and yeah. and give them that mentoring um space because they're really great at it so he's uh he's doing great and will become a you know a, a, a adult trainer no doubt yeah. And also I'm looking to create, I've got one class, which is the Elevate class, which is the advanced class, and there's three teenagers in it. Jaron's mm -hmm. one of them. And we're working towards creating performance outcomes for them. And right. so 
collaborations in the community and and so having that performance stream if they want it a lot of the kids we work with are high anxiety and they don't want it yeah so it's just it's optional you know they can just train for fun or if they want to go on and do more intense things or look at a professional pathway that it's there so it's about that and also slowly growing the program so that there's more more spaces available and i really would love to get it into schools yeah special schools and autistic focused schools um but you know that's a whole other bureaucratic world but it's it's a goal there and you know I'm, I'm pretty tenacious in trying to get those sorts of things to happen. So as I gain more time, as my daughter gets older, I'll keep mm-hmm. knocking on those doors and pushing those walls over. <laughs> got some uh, PD coming up in July. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, so I'll be running a professional development program in the Circus Stars Method in July on the Gold Coast. So it's going to be mid-July. I'm just confirming dates with the venue, but they'll, they'll go out on the website in the next two weeks. Okay. So that's a two-day. It's a two-day intensive that we run in the theory and practice. So one day of theory and one day of observing the circus stars classes and learning about that actual practical method of how we approach circus training and how the classes are run. And then the first day is going through the philosophy of circus and the ins and outs of how circus stars works and why, and some information about autism and operating systems for children neurologically and um yeah so it's it's been running for a few years now and i run one annually um and and that's open to anyone who wants to do it so obviously um you know circus artists but we also have um you know theater teachers we have um music therapists that have done it occupational therapists physios dance teachers i had a netball teacher do it last year um because she her daughter is a circus trainer and she was like i've got a lot of autistic children in my netball team yeah i've noticed so i'd like to think about so yeah it's it's flexible it's circus focused but it's it's basically trying to help provide a best practice approach for working with children with autism from a physical Mm -hmm. perspective yeah well, awesome, and yeah. we'll put that on our website and also with the podcast awesome. people can come directly to you and find out all about it. Dr. Christy, you're doing wonderful work and congratulations Thank you. on everything that you have achieved so far and everything that you will achieve in future. And from uh, the Australian Performing Arts Teachers Association, we thank you very much for joining us on the Apatow no today. No worries. Thanks for having me.